probably a lot of times in your life, you know, when you get a new manager, when you get a new boss, when you move to a new team, when you take on a new project or a responsibility, that you've got to continue to reassess the situation. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crottenville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Hi there. We have an exciting episode for you today with one of our leaders in residence at Crotonville. The Leader in Residence program is something we do at GE where different leaders in the company spend a week on the Crotonville campus to talk with employees going through our leadership courses. They tell their own stories of career development and also listen and ask questions around key themes in the company like simplification and digital industrial. Today's Leader in Residence is Jim Fowler, Information Officer at GE. So Jim, thank you for being here today. Can you briefly share a little bit more about your role? Sure. So I'm responsible for setting the technology strategy for the company, uh, which really revolves around how we drive software, analytics, and business processes together in an automated fashion. So that involves all the underlying infrastructure of the company, all the applications that we run the company on, uh, and really tying together all of the different business units with one cohesive strategy for the company. You know, as the world and our working environments are changing so quickly, this is truly a critical role. So explain your view on concepts like learning every day and everyone is a leader. Yeah, so when I think about leadership, I think there's elements of leadership that are involved in everybody's job. And it starts with, you know, the ability to communicate clearly, set a vision, a direction, be able to explain to somebody in simple terms on what you're doing or what you need them to do. I think the the second element that everybody has to have is an ability to influence. I think influence is one of those skills that is just a necessity in the business place. And if you can't influence people around the decision, if you can't get them to understand the merits of of your case, your cause, I think you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Uh, and then the last part that I think is just a part of learning every day and in a, in a learning culture and a leading culture uh, is really how do you how do you help others succeed? What's your role in either teaching people how to do what you do or helping coach them to be better at their role? I think those are some of the big hallmarks that I look for in leadership and, and, and in learning and how I run my, my organization every day. And is there anything that stands out to you as contributing to your growth as a leader, whether it's personally or professionally? Has, has somebody been there for you to help you and influence you? Yeah, I, I would say it starts back when I was growing up. I, I grew up in a small farm town in Ohio. Uh, my dad was a pharmacist. My mom was a nurse. And my dad kind of ran the quintessential corner drugstore. Uh, and, and I started working for him when I was eight. You know, at 6 a.m. on a Sunday, I'd get up and I'd go up to the drugstore with him. And my job was to, to stack and pack newspapers. We would sell about a thousand newspapers on a weekend. And my job was to take care of those in the morning, and 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 then it went through into taking on jobs as kind of a clerk, as a as a delivery person for the store, working back in the pharmacy as a pharmacy tech as I got older, and and through that experience, one of the things that my dad was was really specific about and how he taught us was, you say do. If you say you're going to do something, you do it 100 to 110 percent. You don't ever go halfway in, uh, and in, in little things from how I was stacking those papers. Uh, so that they stood up correctly when I was eight to, you know, how I treated customers and how I 
kind of work through, uh, you know, problems that we had in the store, uh, that was an expectation he set. So from my perspective, I'd say that's one of the first places that I got, you know, really good kind of leadership feedback from a career perspective, and I kind of lived off that every day. I'd say the other place uh, that I'd go to was, you know, working for uh, a previous boss here in GE who uh, was uh, really direct. I mean, he he didn't beat around the bush. He told you exactly what he thought. He gave you great feedback, but at the same time, he wasn't afraid to be really open, honest, and direct about where your development needs were. And, and I really appreciate that as a leader. It taught me that open honesty and direct feedback is the only way to run a company, only way to run an organization. And if you can harness that, if you really can get people to be open and honest with each other, you actually accomplish more. You, you gain a lot of respect for each other. And so I'd say that those are kind of two points in my career when I look back and say, you know, I really learned from these folks and really learned a lot of my leadership style from both my dad and from this leader. I think we're having a lot of conversation in the company about a lot of what you said on the feedback piece, the direct feedback, but also having the conversations around it, not necessarily just one nugget where you take it or leave it. I think that's really important as we grow as an organization and things start moving faster and we have to be more agile. It's really interesting to just hear how those things have influenced you over your career. So what advice would you give then either to individuals or other organizations looking to make more of an impact when it comes to influence, being better at feedback, or just overall? You know, I think the open, honest feedback piece, that, that getting clear lines of communication takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of trust. Um, and one of the things that I do as a leader that I would just encourage everyone to do is to make sure that when you're in a discussion, when you're in a meeting, when you've got something of importance being discussed, uh, that you bring everybody into the conversation. You know, a lot of times meetings happen outside the meeting, and the, the problem with that is you miss the dialogue. Not everybody's brought along in the conversation of understanding. And so, you know, I make it a point when we're having a conversation, if there's somebody being quiet or not participating, I call them out and I ask them their opinion. I, I bring everybody into the room. Uh, into the discussion, and when we're making a decision, I literally, on big decisions, poll everybody. Everybody's got to say yes. Everybody's got to uh, be part of the conversation. And when you do that, what you'll typically find is it wasn't as cut and dry as thought, that you'll get a yes, but, or a yes, if, or a yes, and, and that but, if, or, and discussion really draws out the real issues with whatever it is you're talking about. And that's where you get buy-in. And so that's kind of my biggest piece of advice to, to folks that are trying to get that type of, a, of an environment in place is you've got to invite the conversation, welcome the discord that comes along with it, uh, obviously in a respectful way, but make sure that everybody's voice is heard before decisions get made. Yeah, absolutely. And so going back to the experiences you mentioned influenced you, you know, your first job with your dad, for example. As we think about growing to be a digital industrial company, I want to ask you, first of all, were there any changes as you were growing up, even in that role, you know, stacking newspapers, for example, were there things that evolved in that job, you know, in that time that you had to adjust to? And, and how did you handle those things at that time in your life? You know, I think there's, there's probably a lot of times in your life, you know, when you get a new manager, when you get a new boss, when you move to a new team when you take on a new project or a responsibility, that you've got to continue to reassess the situation. Um, 
you know, there was a, a point in my career when I took on a cross-business project inside the company, a project where I didn't really have any of the authority to go drive the change, but all the responsibility uh, to go get it done. And I'd say that's a place where I really had to readjust my style, where I had to recognize that, that influence was more important than any other tool that I had and that I needed to use that influence to convince people who didn't necessarily want to go spend the money or take the time or put the effort into this initiative would do it. Uh, and, and I had to pivot pretty quickly when that happened because I was on the, I was on the hook for the delivery of it to our board of directors. Uh, and I'd say that was probably one of the biggest, both career, career turning points, uh, that have helped accelerate my career, but also, uh, that challenged me to really think about doing my job differently. Sure. And and now that GE overall is moving to be a digital industrial company, how do you think digital applies to leadership? How does it change the way that things are done? You know, that's a great question. And when you really get to the heart of it, decision-making still has a lot of personal relationship involved in it. You know, there's a lot of intuition and hunch that goes into, you know, decisions that get made. And we aren't always as based or as primed in the data and the information. And in a digital industrial culture, you know, the data has to be part of the decision. A frustration point for me sometimes is a leader who trusts a number in a PowerPoint presentation more than they do coming out of a system. And I think that's one of the big paradigms that we're going to see get broken down as data becomes more readily available, more accessible, more transparent, is that that data, that knowledge, that information is going to make for more informed decisions uh, going forward. And I think one of the biggest changes that that's going to cause organizationally is today our knowledge workers spend a great deal of their time gathering, cleansing, organizing, and reporting on what happened last month, last quarter, or last year. In this new digital world, in this digital industrial world where data is transparent, ubiquitous, and available, their jobs are going to go into a different space, one of modeling, where they're going to take a business decision or a business problem, and they're going to model forward how different decisions might impact uh, what's important to the company. And I think that's going to mean a new set of skills that we need to train people on. I think modeling is going to be more pervasive. I think people who know how to report on data but not analyze it and make decisions from it are going to have a harder time being successful. On that same note, I know we talked a little before about social leadership and not just the technology or data, but how do you then manage the human side of it? So you mentioned the skills we need as part of modeling and digital industrial data and accompanying that. Why does it matter and how do we make a change with this information and new competencies versus implementing the tools and skills without changing any of the other elements of how we work? How do you think the move to digital skills affects that side of things? You know, there's an interesting study out of Oxford University where two uh, professors, uh, Dr. Michael Osborne and uh, Dr. Carl Benedict Fry, uh, really started to look at the risk of jobs being computerized. Uh, and it's a really interesting study because it goes through and it starts to look at the types of occupations that are most likely to be automated because of software and technology. And you start to see jobs like uh, personal income tax preparation, right? I think that's something everybody can, can think about and, and reflect on. That's a job that's going to go away from a personal perspective. It's going to be replaced by kind of software. And that's something that over time you'll have less 
people doing and more systems doing. And so if you're in a world where people are going from a world where people tell machines what to do to a world where machines tell people what to do, that has a whole set of social, socioeconomic, and ethical issues that we're going to have to tackle. Bringing it back to kind of a more uh, a more realistic view of it inside my own organization, I wonder and I worry quite a bit about, you know, what skills do I need to give my employees? What retraining needs to be done so that as jobs are automated, as jobs potentially go away, that uh, we really understand what roles and what skills we need people to have in that new world where it's more focused on modeling future decisions than it is on, you know, analyzing what happened last month, last quarter, or last year. I think that shows a lot of insight and mindfulness, really, on your part. Very important points for everyone. So what would be, thinking about yourself personally, what has been most difficult for you to adjust to with the transition to digital industrial? And maybe how you've worked through that or gotten better at something? Um, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's really one of, of communication and making sure that everybody understands, at least inside our company, how this is strategic for us, how it relates to the strategy of the company. Why, why is it important to us? What impact is it going to have to our stockholders, to our customers, and to our suppliers? Um, and, and as much as I feel like I'm talking about it a lot, uh, I'm still finding huge pockets in the organization that just aren't aware of where we're going and why. Don't understand why they're doing what they're doing and how it relates to the future of the company. And so I think that's probably the biggest surprise for me has been that what I thought was going to be over communication isn't anywhere close to what it's going to take to get people to understand where we're going and, and the role that they play in it. Mm, it's it's really interesting, the perception of when we think something is too much and, and then it's not nearly enough. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit as we wrap things up and ask you a couple of lighthearted questions, and they're not at all related to what we've just been talking about. So first thing, what song do you love to dance to? Oh, wow. I'm more of a classic rock kind of guy. I'm a Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith type of guy. Oh, I love classic rock. There was a Guns N' Roses concert in Houston a few weeks ago, actually. And if you could vacation anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, St. John, U.S. Virgin Islands. Probably one of the best vacations we've ever had as a family. Oh, awesome. I'm taking notes. <laughs> Okay, and here's an interesting one that I think everyone will appreciate. If you could have any other job in the world, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard one. I, I, you know, I think I would, if I could go back and I had to do something else other than what I'm doing today, I'd probably go back and be a pharmacist like my dad. Oh, really? Was there something in particular that was interesting to you about that job? I like the connection with people. I liked uh, the fact that, you know, my dad... Uh, that, that people mattered more than, than anything else from his perspective and how he ran that drugstore. And so it's that, that connection with people on the day-to-day -day that I really enjoy. Yeah, I think, you know, as we talk more and more with a lot of people on a lot of different things, that's what it comes down to, you know, words to live by when it comes to connecting with people. So those are all the questions I had. Uh, do you want to add anything else? Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Let us know if you liked this episode. Leave us a review, share, and comment with your thoughts on what you heard in our discussion today. We hope you join us on our next episode.